Hey, warrior. If you're enjoying everything you're hearing on this podcast, imagine meeting with me every week. Women across the country are joining the Warrior Women Mastermind, a 12-week experience in a small curated group of women hand-selected just for you. Whether you're feeling stuck, afraid to use your voice, not making the money you want, or just feeling uh, meh, come join us. The Warrior Women Mastermind is the boost you need. Connection, accountability, and women you'll love. Schedule your call with me to learn more. The link is in the show notes, or you can go to lizswadek.com. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hello, warriors. If there's one thing I have learned on this podcast, it's it just takes one person, one woman, one woman who notices a need, one woman who sees a need and decides to take action. On this podcast, I have had many women tell me how they looked around and said, someone should be addressing this. Someone should be doing this. And then realized that that someone was them. My guest today saw a need in the entertainment industry and decided to take action. Everyday action, in fact. I know this story will inspire you to take action in your own communities and social groups. Thank you for joining me and make sure you write us a five-star written review because it helps more women find out about this podcast. As always, I'm grateful for you listening today and I'm sending inspiration your way. Let's get into it, but first, 66,436 people in Los Angeles County are experiencing homelessness. That's a 12.7 increase from the previous year of 58,000 in 2019. Within just the city of LA, 41,290 homeless people were counted. That's a 14.2% increase from the previous year. Well, that's where everyday action comes in. Everyday Action is a 501c3 nonprofit organization working to reallocate the food on film sets directly to those living on the streets of Los Angeles. Founded and run by two assistant directors, donating leftover food from production has never been easier. You give them the call sheet and they do the rest. They employ production assistants and background actors as pickup and drop-off coordinators while in between jobs. And their board members are working professionals who work in the entertainment industry and volunteer sectors. All of us together can make a huge difference in the lives of LA's most vulnerable people. Donate now to be part of the change. Go to everydayaction.org. That's everydayaction.org. Let's bring the people who are the most vulnerable a beautiful meal. All right, everybody. Today on the show, we have Hillary Cohen. Hillary is an entertainment industry veteran who decided to give back in a big way. In 2012, Hillary began working on NCIS LA and realized the problem of food waste firsthand and her nonprofit, 
Everyday Action was born. Everyday Action's main focus is reallocating food waste from catering on film sets to those in need in Los Angeles. She lives in LA, is newly married, and she has a fabulous stepson and a dog named Drama. (laughs) I'm dying, Hillary. All right, (laughs) welcome to the show, Hillary. We have so much to talk about. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so glad Drama got a shout out. She's been my dog for since she was a baby. She's 15 and a half. <laughs> oh, Drama, I'm so into your 15 years of life, you cutie pie. I'm so glad <laughs> Drama's here with us. Usually I don't like that much drama, but in this case, I will amend that I like drama. Okay. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we have so many things to talk about. This is way more even than everyday action because I, not only do I want to know how you came up with this idea, how you decided to tackle, because this is not a small problem. It actually goes on, obviously, in many industries, um, but also just being a woman in a male-dominated industry, Hillary. So we are just going to go there today. Um, so Hillary, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Tell me about your journey to working in the entertainment business. I mentioned, uh, or I I read in your interview that you uh, have wanted to be in the entertainment (laughs) entertainment business since you were five. Um, You had no connections, right? No connections to the business. And now you are a producer, for God's sakes. So how did this seemingly overnight success, Hillary, come to be? Um, I will always say that if you want to be successful, especially in an industry that's very cutthroat, you really have to never stop working, right? It's like a 24 seven, way past nine to five. I have this thing in my office that says, oh, you work a 40 hour work week. I remember my first part-time job (laughs) and that's really like been my motto since I was like five, you know, I, I was five years old. I saw a play Charlotte's web and I was like, I want to be in the entertainment business. Did I know specifically what I wanted to do? No. Um, but I really have always been working towards that goal. And every summer in college, I didn't go to a summer camp or I didn't go with my friends. I went to LA. I usually had two or three internships and I was just always working, you know, I worked and worked and worked and I treated every day like an interview, which is what I tell my assistants all the time is if you want to get somewhere, you need to show up every day, even if you work there for 15 years and show up and that's day one. And that's how you will, you know, continue to grow uh, in that business. But it really was just nonstop 24 hour work that I'm, I'm still doing. <laughs> You're still working sister. Still working. Let's talk about everyday action because it was born out of your career on set. Tell me about the light bulb moment. Cause I always think there's like, you know, there's lots of moments obviously, and maybe lots of moments strewn together, but usually there's one moment where you're like, wait a minute, this is actually ridiculous, you know, and, and no one else is doing anything about it. So it's obviously got to be me. When did you realize you had to really do something and what were you seeing on set? So there was like two light bulb moments. The first one was actually my very first day on a union set. I was in private practice. I was a DJ trainee. Uh, I think it was 2009 because I graduated in 2012. I was on a film set at four o'clock in the morning, downtown Skid Row. I had come from working an independent film where like my mom made a tuna sandwich for craft service. So to have like trailers and like, it was nuts for me first to be all, honest. Let's just back up and explain this to people because I'm an actor from back in the day, Hillary. So I really love what you just said. I don't want to gloss over it. So when you're on an independent film, you know, everybody thinks these independent films are so sexy. But then the back in the day in the true independent film, which now they're, they have huge budgets. They're very different now. But back in the day, an independent film meant you barely had a dime. And so you would literally be like, ask you're making a film you ask your mother like to make sandwiches or you'd be making sandwiches or you'd be like begging people because you had no budget 
Yes. <laughs> when you're working on a huge show like you are NCS ILA, then you are like in the big time. They're like, would everyone like sushi on Friday? You're like, uh, we would. Thank you so much. Like it's such a different world. So I was standing on set and or on in base camp and it was literally like semi truck after semi truck barreling over these people's homes. And I stood there, I watched, you know, the set come together. It was like eight o'clock and like the most amazing smells were coming from the catering truck, just like fresh garlic. And we just like all day long, I just couldn't believe the food that was coming out of this truck. And we get to lunch and there was like salmon and steak and I don't know, pasta primavera, anything you can think of. And so much of it was left over. So like as the day was ending at lunch, I was like, oh, this is so great. We're going to have all this food. We can give it to the people right here who are hungry. Like, this is going to be so great. You know, and I like walked up to the caterer like, hey, can I have all that food? I'm going to go give it to the people right over there. And he was just like, no, we'll get sued if we do that. This is all going in the trash and just like threw it in the trash. And to me, it felt like someone was being like murdered in front of me. And I was just like, that's that's how it feels to me. Like when I'm thinking of there's a hungry person right here and you're throwing steak and salmon and possibly in the trash rather than giving it to a homeless person. Yeah. Next to them. So it was just like, what? And it was like day after day, month after month. And then like eventually again, because I'm working, you know, 24 seven, I don't have time for this stop. So I do continue to think about this for the next several years of my career, but there is no time to stop. And COVID hit that stop for me. So it was like, hey, too bad, got to stop. And I stopped for about 48 hours. I started selling face masks. That's a whole nother story. And that really led to me wanting to lead a life of service. And I really came back to this idea of everyday action, which was helping people with this food. And for me, there's also been another part of the business that's really been unbalanced. And that's the pay scale of production assistants and stand-ins and background artists. They're on the set for the same hours and they can barely pay their rent with the salary that they're paid. And it's really unfair because they're an you know, non-union employee. Even SAG members, you know, a SAG background artist is not making enough money to pay their rent in Los Angeles. And it's really always bothered me. So I wanted to create a company that helped those people and also helped the unhoused at the same time. So I was like, what if the PAs and background artists who didn't really care about a film set, right? They were there all day. So they then got paid to move the food to the people who needed it. And we just stopped throwing it out. And we could just like fix this big problem in a business that really we need to like say is happening and move on and fix it. So that was kind of like light bulb two was just like, uh, this needs to happen. And the light bulb three was, oh, that's me. You know, I had had this. Yeah, it was like I had this really this idea idea for 10 years I kept telling people about it I I really I kept telling actors like you should do this you should fund this you should and then I realized oh I need to be the one to do this no one's gonna do it no one's gonna do it so yeah those are kind of the light bulbs that got this to happening and then it just once I realized like I was the person who needed to do this it happened (laughs) yeah and let me say that you're not alone in that i've interviewed so many women who have started organizations like this but what comes to mind is a shannon watts of moms demand action she said she was over there texting her girlfriends calling them there's another school shooting what is going on someone needs to do something and they were like yeah someone and like she kept complaining about it and nobody would do anything 
And when she started Moms Demand Action, she was a housewife. She was not doing like really anything and didn't know what she should do and how she should do it. But then she now they're bigger than the NRA. <laughs> so, you know, it just shows one woman can do everything. And you know what? To me, that's a divine download. If you're getting that idea and you're feeling that feeling, like when you feel like the food's going in the trash and you feel like you're being murdered, then you know that's actually your thing. It's not to yeah. give it to somebody else because somebody else is not going to feel that feeling. And so the fact that you felt that feeling and you acted on it is so fucking amazing, Hillary. That's why I love you. I'm so excited you're here. Okay. So you, I love the way you describe this, by the way. You make it sound like the easiest thing in the world. Like it just, you know, you had the idea and then you did it. And a couple of people were like, no way, girl, it's not going to work. And then it just happened. So that did not happen, just so everyone knows. So tell me about the roadblocks and the continuing roadblocks, I'm sure, to starting something like this, because moving the needle on this, like just just so everyone's clear, like if you have any stats to give us, great, Hillary, if you don't, if you can't just whip them out, don't worry about it. But if you have any stats, give it to us. But like this is a larger scale issue. You think about things are being filmed everywhere, Canada, overseas, and every set is like this, bringing in the most beautiful food you've ever seen in your life on a scale that would blow your mind because they're feeding a lot of people and it all goes to waste. So tell us about like the scale and what has been kind of the roadblocks. And that's also one thing I do want to talk about is the first thing is I've talked about is like, can the scale be reduced? And there's union rules that require sets to feed and have so much food. So currently until like the union rules are changed, we can't really go into that conversation, but we can help with the waste that's there. Right. Okay. But that's a good um, point. I did not know that. So the, the food is regulated by the union, how much they provide. Like you have to have a hot meal for every crew member. So if you're crew let, you know, if you have a call sheet with 150 people, you have to budget, you have to have that there for those people. But let's say you're shooting downtown and there's like a really yummy restaurant and the whole crew has eaten the caterer, you know, for the past two months. So for the crew, they're like, oh, I'm going to go out to lunch today. But the caterer still has to serve the food for the whole crew. So that particular day, there's going to be all this food where, you know, it just depends on the day. But the roadblocks that like came for this, like for just to start, In the entertainment business to work on like the Warner Brothers lot, you need to sign a package of paperwork that's like the size of a phone book. It's like alarming that they don't even take like your blood sample when you're done. You're like, do you still want my like my DNA from my mouth, which we did in COVID. So I knew that we needed like a ton of paperwork to throw back at a studio because that is really alarming. Also, as a producer, I understand letting someone into your bubble is really stressful having some one other person you have to think about one other logistic is like really annoying and no one wants to think about the trash. So I understand all of those things. That's why we're here, right? We're going to think about the trash. So I knew that I had to explain it to them in a way that they would understand that I'm in the same room. I'm not someone that's like from the outside, which is, you know, in the entertainment business, it's hard to let someone into that set. So me and my business partner were already in that room. So I wanted to continually talk about it in a way that someone who wasn't in production couldn't understand, but someone that was in production did. I talked about call sheets and production reports and their base camp and things that was their language. And we made a contract. Sam and I sat on the floor for like three, four days. It was like three, four weeks. And we wrote bylaws. I like didn't even know what a nonprofit board was. I remember my sister-in-law, Carrie, who sits on the board said, I'm going to be on your board. And I was like, thanks. And then I went home and Googled, what is a board? (laughs) What is a board? Yeah, what is a board? Oh, you're going to sit on it. That's so cool. So it was really like figuring out how to be run a nonprofit 
and making one. So Sam and I knew we needed to be a 501c3 from the get-go that the film industry was not going to work with just some kids in a bucket of you know, trying to pick up their trash. So we just approached it from that corporate level from the beginning. So we wrote the bylaws, we wrote a contract that they could sign, and we found a way to get them to release the liability. So the second we pick the food up, it's ours. And if someone gets sick from it, so be it. But to hand food out actually in Los Angeles is not illegal. And it's been legal for a very long time. The Good Samaritan Act exists to protect people from passing food out. And that's something that I'm actually trying to ask on a larger scale is why are we so afraid of helping people? Because that's really what it comes from is this the stem of fear. And why is helping someone like that fear overtake the, the helping? Like, how could you really look someone in the face and say, I'm too afraid to help you? So we as a nonprofit are really trying to like address that issue is like, let's not be afraid to help those in need. Let's step up and help those in need. So that's really the biggest thing is convincing people that what we're doing is not illegal, that someone who's starving really just wants food. And it's very simple. What's the scale of this problem? Do you know, like, do you have any numbers on that? I mean, there's over 66,000 unhoused in Los Angeles. I know that every week I'm called to expand Everyday Action to a different production hub, New York, uh, Atlanta, Austin, New Orleans, all those production hubs, Toronto, Vancouver, have reached out to us pretty much from founding, asking when Everyday Action is going to be in those cities because they just, it's, it's, it's a logistical it's a logistical puzzle. It just needs someone who can speak the production language and can solve the puzzle really fast. As an AD, my job was to solve the production puzzle. So I can probably take a hundred call sheets with 50 people and, you know, 35 minutes tell you how to solve this puzzle because it's just what I've done for a very long time. So what it, it it's a huge problem across the entire United States. And Sam and I are hoping to, you know, expand to other production hub cities as soon as we're you know, grounded in LA. It's hard to talk about expanding until this effort is fully funded. I always say we're like barely skimming the surface. We pick up from like 10 to 15 sets a day. It should be about 50 to a hundred sets a day. That's probably what shoots in Los Angeles from top to bottom from, you know, the highest production to the lowest tier. And it's a lot of food. So Sam and I are really trying this year to get all of film production. And that's a current roadblock we're struggling with is we didn't ask for a donation up front for the first three years. And we thought studios would donate on the back end and they just don't. And we go show after show after show, you know, on sets that are on major networks. I'm not going to call any of them out. Love you too, but okay. I will talk. Yeah. We, we had a little bit of a struggle with a major network. And so anyways, this season in 2023, we tried to switch to a donation for pickup platform. So we're now asking $50 per day per pickup per donation. And that's actually really helped our efforts and expand and be able to keep up with our growth. And one very, very major big network said no. And they were the only one that said no. And we had a long talk about it. And eventually Sam and I walked away, you know, they said, so are you not going to pick the food up if we don't pay you? And we said, yes. And it was really hard because this network I've wanted to work with my whole career. And I've really, uh, it's going to make me emotional. Like I've dreamed about working with it. And it was so hard for them to say no, but they said no. And a week ago, one of them came back and they are now paying us $50 a day on that network. And I'm really happy to say that we just like stood our ground and obviously I'm super passionate about everyday action. And it's just, it is that uh, running a nonprofit is a constant roadblock every day. 
There's not enough time. There's not enough money and there's not enough people, but you just have to keep going. And this has been the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. I love that you're getting emotional. You're making me emotional. What is it going to take to scale it out? Is it purely funding? You know, I mean, I know I'm sure it's like infrastructure too. Like you got to figure that out, but is it really funding? And like, why, like, is there a, a world where you could get like a celebrity, someone like a Leonardo DiCaprio or somebody who actually gives a shit about the environment to get on board with you, be the face of it. And then basically shame these, <laughs> these bigger production houses and movie sets, these people who are making billions and zillions and gazillions of dollars to actually fund your work as like part of their public service. I mean, that's where we're, that's where we're hoping to get to. We do have two celebrities on our board that support us. Barrett Foa from NCISLA is our vice president. He literally works 24 seven supporting our efforts, trying to get us on sets, donating. Troy and Belisario is also on our board and she does the same, but that's exactly what this needs is 10 to 15 huge celebrities, producers to just be involved. And it would be so easy because they're already on a film set. You know, the social media network is there. They could be in their trailer, hold their phone up, turn around with a volunteer and say, hey, look what we're doing today. Post it, you know, donate on a regular basis. And we could be solving this problem. Our hope is to have a food truck donated. Whole Foods actually is a corporation that fully supports everyday action and is really pushed us to grow and supported us pretty much since they found us two years ago. And they're trying to get us a food truck. And that's the dream is that we would have a food truck downtown Everyone brings their food downtown. We would then open the food up and then we would just pass the food out through Skid Row and have our own kitchen because a lot of crew member meals are really big, right? A grip who's been working a 16 hour day, burly man, he's eating a big box of food, but someone that's on the street that hasn't had a sandwich in three weeks, they're having a few bites and they're done and they don't have anywhere to put that, which is then creating more waste, which is what we don't want to do. So we want to be able to open that box up. Also give it a little bit more love. We all know if mashed potatoes have sat in cold for a few minutes, they need some butter, they need some salt. You know, we want to make that food awesome because that's actually one of the coolest things in passing out the food that we have is we've gone to so many shelters where I hear someone say, oh my God, we don't have canned food today. Like I've never seen this food or the number of times I'll bring someone shellfish and they've never had it and they don't know what it is. And they're like, oh, this is lobster. And it's like a clam or a shrimp. And they just don't know because they've never had it. It's like, it's so amazing to be able to give someone who's starving an amazing meal, not like junk. This is amazing food that they've never experienced and they get to enjoy. And we all know that food is a language of love. So I just really love being able to share that with everyone who really needs it. And we're, that's the goal is to have it out of this food truck and, and grow to a level where we're supporting not just film productions, but all of grocery stores, all of LAUSD. You know, LAUSD is very easy to solve. I have such an easy solution. I just need a parent at every school who's willing to help. So if anyone out there is listening and wants to work on the LAUSD problem, it's very much, you know, kind of next on our agenda. Another because, food waste kind of place. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's good to know. So and if everybody in LAUSD, if there's someone who's listening and I know, I know a couple of people, so I will connect you because you know, I love to do that. Okay. So let's talk about this. We're going to talk about how you can donate to Everyday Action and, and you can just bet your butt right now. I will be donating at, by the end of this Zoom. And I know you have a fundraiser coming up. So I want to talk about that as well. But before we go there, 
let's just talk for a minute about you being a woman leader in a male dominated business, because, you know, truly this has been your dream. You're, you're emotional about even like getting to work with certain studios because it really has been, I mean, shoot, I loved Carol Burnett. You know, I, I was like, where does she live? Oh, this play, she films her thing in television city, studio city. There's a whole city of television. I must <laughs> move to California. So I am you. So I totally fucking get what you're saying. But, but really, what are the kind of things that you go through as a woman in this male dominated business? What lessons have you learned that, you know, for another person who's listening right now, who'd really like to get into the entertainment business and as a woman, what would you, what would you, what's what are the lessons? I'd say you got to have a ton of confidence in yourself. Don't listen to anything that anyone ever says ever. (laughs) Just put on those earmuffs. I was very cognizant about what I wore every day. I personally, then no offense to anyone who does lug that attention. I don't like sexual attention while I'm at work. And it really bothered me. So I very quickly wore like on the crew clothes that were too big for me or didn't do my hair or my makeup. I just would rather be ignored. So actually in becoming a producer and like, taking a like a pride in my appearance at work has been a struggle for me as a woman because it's something that I don't want to be noticed for. But that helped me, I think, be seen a little bit differently. To be a boss without being a bitch has been a really big struggle in our business. I hear so many people call ladies bitches and they're not. Or we get told, why aren't be told to smile? You know, why aren't you smiling? Oh my God, the smiling thing. I can't take it. Who's walking around telling a man to smile? (laughs) Nobody. Exactly. No one. No one. Um, So, and one thing that really I hear all the time is my tone. That what I really am working on personally is like my tone, my tone, my tone, my tone. But I never hear that being told to a man. No man is ever told your tone. Um, So I am working on my tone because maybe I do have a problem with it because I hear that a lot. But I also have really tried to, again, be a boss without being a bitch, you know, kill them with kindness is what I tell a lot of women. Sometimes we do have to give that extra little smile. Sometimes we do have to approach it in a different way. And if you're not being heard, try a different way. You know, I really just wanted to knock this door down. I wanted to be in the room so, so, so bad. So if if you want to do it, find another way, you'll get there. But that's really been the hardest thing is to be a boss without being rude. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? And that's, that's a fine line, right? Because like you're saying, you know, you want to get in the room, you want to play in the game, but you also are like, why do these rules that apply to me don't apply to all these other people here? You know, like it's annoying, right? So it is a fine line. So where did you get your love of service from? Was it your mom? Because I was reading in your pre-interview about your mom. So where is this love of service, this passion in your heart coming from? It mainly comes from my mom, though it also does come from my dad. I can't leave him out. But my mom is a nurse practitioner and has led an entire life of service. She is in her 70s and still works two jobs. She removes gang member tattoos at Homeboys and like took me like I actually have this like aversion to ketchup from being in a soup kitchen when I was five years old. Like I remember my job with my mom was to put the ketchup on the table and I still cannot even smell ketchup because (laughs) it was like so much. 589 times. Yeah, it was just like so much ketchup. So she like like just always, I always had to help people. There was never, I wasn't like a kid who like sat down and played video games or at a TV. I think I had like an hour of TV a day. Other than that, it was like, get up and go do things. You have to go do stuff. And I think that that really <laughs> shaped who I was as a human being, watching her help people, always being pushed. Like I remember we would travel all the time and we would we would bring Ziploc bags and collect all the toiletries at every hotel we went to. We would even steal some of them off of the carts and then bring them to a women's shelter. And like to this day, I like 
hoard toiletries when I travel. And my husband is like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I have to give them to someone. So like, don't use them. <laughs> don't touch them. Yeah, don't touch that. He's like, I need to wash my hair. I'm like, well, too bad for you. Go buy shampoo. <laughs> I love that. I love that you're always thinking like that, though. I mean, you, this has been instilled in you. You can't shake that. It's amazing. So tell me more about how can people get involved with everyday action? Like, what are all the touch points? Because there are some people who are going to want to write you a check and click the button. And of course, I will provide that. But there may be somebody in another city who's like, hey, I've got someone you should talk to, or I want to do this in my city, and how can I help you expand? Or I am at LAUSD in the school systems, or I want to come to your fa- fundraiser, or whatever it is. So tell me all the things. Well, first is our fundraiser that I've worked hardest on for the past seven months. I am excited. I'm terrified, but I think it's going to be awesome. So I'm so come. sad I'm out of town because I would come, and I would be there with bells on. So if oh, was- we are going to miss you. I think it's going to be such a great event and please come support. We're going to have a casino, a silent auction. It's going to be a fun night. Aside from the gala, we always need more volunteers. While we do have a, a system of employees, we're not fully funded. So we do need volunteers to help us every day. That's in driving. That can be online. I am not a millennial in any way, shape or form, even though that I am. A cell phone to me is a very scary place. And Instagram, I don't know. TikTok is a clock. I don't know what that is. All online help is needed as well as in-person volunteering. Financial support is really our biggest help. And that's what we need. We need to be fully funded so that we can expand. You know, I think that we need a million dollars a year for this to actually be a full functioning nonprofit. My business partner and myself have worked entirely for free and volunteer while having full-time jobs at the same time. And at some point, (laughs) you've got to make that jump and actually run this endeavor 24-7, which is coming very close. So that's the biggest way you can support. And then, you know, telling people, following us on Instagram, clicking on our site, telling everyone about Everyday Action and bringing us to a set near you. You know, ultimately, we don't want the food to get thrown out. So if you are working at a grocery store or a restaurant, a corporate office, anywhere where you're seeing excess food get thrown out, give us a call. You know, we're happy to help that food get reallocated and go somewhere in need. And it's, it really just takes an hour maybe of your time is really the best way you can help us get involved. And if you're in a city that's not in Los Angeles and you want to start an everyday action, please reach out. We're happy to help get that started. Just like I'll tell anyone who wants to get in the entertainment business, the same as a nonprofit. If you don't fully want to do it though, don't. <laughs> yeah, right. You got to be yeah. You got to want to do it. Okay, amazing. All right, we're going to move on to the speed round. I'm going to put all these links, all this juiciness in the show notes for everybody. I'm definitely down for donating. You've got my word on that, Hillary. Let's uh, do the speed round. So I want okay. you to fill in the blank. There's no wrong answer. <laughs> I am learning that. Failing is okay and making mistakes is okay. I don't do that well and it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to not reach the end of your to-do list. It's okay to suck. (laughs) I love that. It's okay to suck, everyone. When I feel lost, I... I go on an adventure or I go into the woods. I like to get away. I got to get my brain into a whole nother space, shake it up, come back. And oh, that seems to have a new energy about this everything. (laughs) Nature is a real thing. I don't think people really, really realize being outside in the trees and the feet in the grass. That is a real, real thing and a way to reconnect. So that's cool that you, that you do that for yourself. I am a woman who get shit done. And I don't take no for an answer. If you're going to tell me, no, I'm just going to find another way to do it. So keep on telling me, no, go for it. Yeah. I always (laughs) say, want me to do something? Tell me no. Exactly. <laughs> Tell that me actually I makes me want to do it more. Signing up. <laughs> I am proud of the fact that I. 
I'm still very proud of being in the DGA. I think that's still something that I'm very... What DGA? Don't try to the, do lingo now. Come on. The Directors Guild of America. It's probably the most prestigious union in the entertainment business. And it's something I certainly did not think I would be involved in until I was at least 45. And I became a member when I was, I think, 26. So I'm just still very proud of that accomplishment. And I'm proud that I'm using work in the DGA to now help people, which is ultimately think what the whole journey was for. (laughs) I love this. I always say... I've got two of them. The first one is it is what it is because that it just is what it is. When shit doesn't go well, you just got to keep on going and there's things you can't control. My dad has said this my whole life. And it actually, I used to think it was horrible and it has really helped me as a grown up. And that is people are a constant disappointment. And while it sounds very negative, it's really helped me understand people that are disappointing. You know, it's like when people don't show up and people don't do what you want to do. They are a constant disappointment. And that's kind of right back to it is what it is. Yeah. Well, back to is what it is. Absolutely. I would say, I would say people have limitations. Yeah. Let me, let me say it another way. Cause I'm a coach and I got to say it the right way for me. I like it. People have, p- people have perceived limitations and they like really that. believe that they are true. Even yeah. Now. And so that gets in the way of things sometimes. I'm really excited about our gala. I I never March thought 25th. it's March 25th. It actually came to be because we presented at Whole Foods seven months ago. And the CEO of Whole Foods came to me and said, if you have a gala, I'm going to come. And I said, cool, it's on March 25th. And then I went to my board the next day and said, hey, we're having a gala. <laughs> so That's it's exactly how you do it, of course. <laughs> yep. So it's been just pat on the pavement since I talked to Jason seven months ago. Whole Foods is helping to fund our gala. It has certainly been the hardest thing I've ever done. I think it's been like seven weddings, 27 productions all into one. And I really can't wait to share it with you. I continually say because I'm a type A person, I can't wait for gala three, but this gala is going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be incredible. Okay. So thank you so much, first of all, for coming on the show, sharing your story And also doing this work, because you know what, like you're saying, this is not the work that anyone really wanted to tackle, but Lord knows you are in the game and doing it. So I want to just applaud you and celebrate you for that. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Hillary. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star written review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.